0: I want to invite you guys to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. We love having you guys bring your Bibles. We do have some in the back, Dean's passing some around. So if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll try to get, I think we have enough. Uh, We love having you guys read your Bibles as we come up here to preach, Um, not just so that you can follow along, but to check that what we're saying is what the Bible says. Uh, And if Jesus is alive, we should pay attention to what the Bible says. Uh, If he's not, then maybe we should just go home because there's no point But if Jesus is alive, there is really, really good news for you. And I believe we would do well to listen to what the Bible has to say. I hear some pages still turning, but I'm going to go ahead and start here. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. And this is what it says. Blessed be the God and Father Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Open our ears. Help us to see. Lord, as we have just read your word, I pray uh, that your spirit, help us along, Lord, that we would understand the great hope that is before us, Lord, as again we get to hear your truth, Lord, what a joy, what a privilege it is, we love you, Lord, we ask these things in your name, amen. All right, so when I was a freshman, my wrestling coach was determined to begin our training on the right foot. Uh, And he had us all sit down in a circle, and he taught us how to tie our shoes. Uh, He wanted to start pretty basic, and apparently I didn't get it down because I'm not wearing shoes that have laces. Um, But he wanted to start that way, and then there was another guy. His name was Vince Lombardi. It should be on the screen here in just a second. Uh, But Vince Lombardi, he was the greatest NFL coach of all time. Arguably. Um, but he would always start his preseason football training by holding up a football and saying, "This is a football. Uh, it's imaginary right now, but he would hold it up, say, "This is a football." And that's how he wanted everyone to begin. Uh, if you begin at the most simplest level, uh, it's easier to train that way. So that was Vince Lombardi, and like him, and like my wrestling coach, I want to start basic. Uh, I want to start at the simplest level uh, because either we don't know as much as we might think or maybe we've never heard this before or we just need to be reminded. We've been in this all our lives and it's good for a refresher. Uh, But to be as basic as we can, this is a Bible. This is a Bible and we believe it is God's Word and that He speaks to us through it. We didn't always have it in this form, but we have it today. Uh, we believe that it's uh, what helps us know what God's will is, what His will is for your life, what God has done for us. We believe that the Bible tells us where freedom and hope is. And tonight, God's Word reveals to us in First Peter the kind of living hope that we have. Uh, That's available to you if you believe in Jesus Christ. And so there are three questions, if you're a note taker, three questions I want to ask you tonight that you can write down. And it's answered from our passage here. And the first one is, what is the source of our hope? What is the source of your hope? So I want to camp here in verse 3. For a bit, Peter, he immediately praises God. He introduces himself. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to which we respond, Hi, Peter. Uh, And he goes on to uh, write this letter to these churches dispersed uh, across the land because they were being persecuted. And so this is written to persecuted Christians. Uh, And he begins with this outburst of joy. Uh, an expression of great thankfulness. And he's taking hold of our attention and he's sending it directly onto God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at his next words, according to his great mercy. So if I were to ask you to define mercy, think about how you would word it. What is mercy? Mercy is mercy. Why is it important to Peter? Why is it important to you? Or should it be? Uh, You might have shouted it as an older sibling pinned you down and you said, mercy, mercy. Uh, But what does it mean? Mercy is showing compassion and kindness when what is deserved is judgment and punishment. Uh, It's withholding what you deserve. And the Bible tells us that what we deserve for our sin is hell. It's, it's the punishment. It's complete, absolute separation from our creator because we rebelled. What we deserve is wrath. We have all turned our backs on God, right? This is Romans chapter 3. Uh, we see it in the Psalms. Uh, but, you'll see that word a lot in the scriptures, but God has met our greatest need. And and remember, Peter, he's the one writing this, but if you go to Ephesians, Paul writes in chapter two, four through five, he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So mercy and grace are are tandem. They work well together. It's it's who God is. So Peter, this is the same Peter who who denied Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Uh, When a servant girl claimed that Peter was with Jesus, he said, I swear I don't even know the man. Never seen him. And two months later, Peter had a different message. Uh, he he didn't stay dead. this Jesus. Uh, he and the rest of the disciples had all kinds of hopes about Jesus' messiahship, um, you know what he was there to do. and then all of it seemed to collapse as Jesus was crucified on the cross, and everyone, except for a few were scattered. Hope seemed to be gone. But Peter had a new message. God the Father raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He's alive and we've seen him. We went to the tomb. We're witnesses. So Jesus died, rose back to life three days later. This is all true, but why? That's always the question. Why did he do this? Um, Look at Peter's next words. He, He has caused us to be born again. You can underline that, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So who remembers, you can raise your hand, who remembers the day they were born? You remember the day you were born? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, the day you were born, anyone pretty exciting experience? Yeah, probably not. You had no part in that, wasn't your choice. Uh, external factors played into that. Um, yep, mom and dad, when they left, yeah. Other factors, but God, he causes not only your first birth, but also this, this born again business, this second birth. Uh, it was something you didn't do, but it's done to you. It's, it's something God does because he loves his people. So you were born once, 12, 13 years ago, um, but have you been born again? Have you been born again? Have you committed your life to God by trusting and believing in Christ, depending on all that he has done for you? Uh, Jesus, you'll remember in John chapter three, when he was having that conversation with Nicodemus late at night, And he tells Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Whoever believes in the son will not be condemned, but be saved. So we're back to the basics. You've heard this before, perhaps. Uh, But before we talk about the living hope that we have in Christ, We need to go back and and appreciate and and be amazed at the rich mercy of God for us. To be in awe of what he's done. We fly over these passages and it's just so good to come back and see what, what Christ has done for us. To be amazed at his kindness, his compassion, his goodness for us when we did nothing to deserve it, and we know what we deserved, and yet he, he gave us this beautiful reality. I think we tend to be uh, most amazed and most grateful uh, for people's kindness and compassion when we realize, one, they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to uh, go out of their way for you. And two, when they sacrifice a lot. Maybe that's a parent. Maybe that's a friend, uh, your your leader, I don't know. But God does this to a degree that we cannot even fathom. This sacrifice, this kindness that's undeserved, uh, we will never be able to comprehend how much God gave that we could be brought into his family forever to receive this inheritance that 1 Peter talks about, and we'll get there. But God, he he knows your need. All of us have a need, whether we can put put a finger on it or not. Uh, And he knew it. He he knew we needed forgiveness of sins. He knew we uh, needed strength for daily life and Jesus promises to be with us. Uh, He knew that we need to be brought into a relationship with him and he removed every single barrier that was in our way. To everlasting life. He removed it all that we could be brought in. And we know that it's by his resurrection. Uh, your sin and death, right? This is Romans 8. It has no, no power over you anymore if you're in him. And why is that? Because your sins were laid on Christ when he was on that tree. His righteousness put on you. It's the great exchange, right? It's the name of our group here, the great exchange. It happened there, and that was the key so that you could have life, that you could have hope and no fear of death. And so we say, yeah, what's the point, Travis? And right, the point, it's not just that you can receive mercy. It's not just that you're born again. It's Also, that you've received mercy and have been born again into a living hope. Into a living hope. Hope is our main point, and we've got to the source. So let's look at what it means to live in this hope, uh, which is our second question. How do you live in this hope? Uh, You might have said one of these statements before. I hope we can play gaga ball uh, the whole night. Or... Uh, I hope they bring donuts every single week. Or maybe even I hope summer camp lasts forever. Uh, The leaders hope that even more. Trust me, right? Yeah. But hope, it it can be understood to be wishful thinking. Uh, Like, it's a possibility. I really hope that this thing would happen. Uh, It's wishing for something to happen. But hope can also be understood as confidence Uh, in what is certain to come, confidence in what is certain to come. We have to understand that Peter is writing about hope to a people in a much different context than ours, right? Peter is writing to to believers who are being persecuted for believing in God, Uh, people that were facing death for their faith, He's writing to believers here, not unbelievers. He's he's writing not to persuade people per se, because the original recipients here, they were believers. He's writing to give them encouragement. That while they're suffering, he's saying, look, you have a reason for hope. That in this darkness, you can actually lift up your eyes and find hope. So what will encourage someone whose life may end at any moment? Uh, Someone who turned away from their old religion, their old ways to the truth, even though they'll suffer for it. Uh, These Christians, and you Christians, and even you who are not Christians, there is a way to find hope, to actually have it day to day. And nobody can live without hope. When we lose it, we tend to shut down. Uh, Our minds and bodies grow weak, and it happens all the time. Uh, Example, you're playing basketball, and you're down by 30, fourth quarter, uh, and you begin to think, we're done, rip. Um, Failing grades, one week left, what are you going to do? You you almost want to throw up your hands and just throw in the towel. You lose heart and you say, I'm out. Without hope, we live in a darkness, a dark shadow that covers everything we do. We see it in David's life. When David took his eyes off God, he was in this valley and it stings. Politicians promise hope because they know that everyone wants things for the better. Uh, We all long for hope. But Peter is not talking about just any old hope. Uh, He's talking about the Christian kind. He uses the word living, the living hope. It's it's not based on wishful thinking. It's not based on possibility. It's based on a reality. Peter calls it a living hope because Jesus is alive today. Not just 2,000 years ago, but today he is alive alive. And so look at verse four. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Why do you think God tells us about the future inheritance? Why, Why let us in on that little detail? It's not meant to tease us with anticipation. Uh, it's not meant to force us to obey or we get coal in our heavenly stocking. Uh, it's not meant to do any of those things but to give us hope for today, to live for him well, to give us gladness and rejoicing that what's ahead is far better than what is right now. All right? So listen to Proverbs 10:28. It says, "The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. So really, according to God's word, there are two kinds of hope. There's the hope that is full and joyful and living, and there's the hope that will perish and will die. It's completely empty. And the best way to test whether the thing you put your hope in Uh, is good and living is to ask if it will go with you when you die. It's the surest test. Um, Relationships, nope. Money, no. Clothes, no. Uh, Sports, nope. All these things. We can go down a list. We don't have the time. Jesus, yes. He's alive and he came back from the grave. That lasts after we die. He lasts after we die. Only Jesus. He's the one thing that will allow us to live beyond the grave and we can take with us this relationship. And when we can say, Jesus Christ is my hope in life and is my hope in death, we don't have to live weighed down by uh, always trying to live a fulfilled life by searching for other things that make us happy. Things that try to fulfill us that aren't him. Because we know there is more than what we see and what we touch here and now. Uh, this inheritance in verse 4, it's, it's not like the hand-me-downs you get from your brother or sister. Uh, this is eternal life with God. No sin No pain, just joy with your God forever. Restored relationships beyond a level we've never seen in heaven. Uh, It's this beautiful thing. It's it's hard to imagine. We can't. Uh, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I love this. That's John 17, 3. If you want to write that down, eternal life is not just a, a place, it's not just a, a, a time frame that, that never ends. It's knowing God. Eternal life is knowing your maker, your savior. It's being with him. That's eternal life. So, knowing God now is where life begins. Today, not tomorrow. Dr. Lawson would say, tomorrow is the the devil's day. Today is the day of salvation. Today in Christ, you have everything you need. So do you know him? Do Do you want to know him? It's totally available. It's totally available. This hope of an inheritance is for those who love Jesus Christ who follow him, right? It's not for everybody. It's, it's for those that that are saved, that have this hope. But it's available to those who call upon his name. You don't earn an inheritance either. This is an important point. In Jewish culture, uh, it was all over, and it's all over your Old Testament Um they received an inheritance when an older family member would die. And it's guaranteed, it's given to you, you don't earn it, you don't work for it. Uh, and so the readers of this understood what they meant, that because you're born again into the family of God, you don't earn this inheritance, right? The, the, the treasures of Christ, of knowing him, are given, guaranteed to you. It's yours, But what does a junior high student in 2022 do with such an amazing future inheritance? You know it's coming, but how do you live? What am I supposed to do with this truth? So skip down to verse 8. Verse 8 through 9, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So no one has seen Jesus, but right now you can be busy loving him and obeying him and working for him and doing all you can with this joy, I've heard one man say, uh, he will never be our treasure then if he's not our joy now. If it is not active in the present, there is no anticipation in the future. Meaning the kind of joy we can expect from meeting Christ in heaven is something you are to live with now. And, and it's not always like we'll have perfect joy now, but it's, it's a relationship that begins now that we can treasure. So this is why Peter can tell these suffering believers to rejoice in verse six. It's why he can tell them to live with a kind of joy in ways they can't express in verse eight, to be obedient and holy in in 14 through 16, Uh, to love each other with pure hearts in verse 22. Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, and extends his love to us, offering freedom, so now we can go do the same with a hope that we've never had before. Peter can tell these suffering Christians, and he can tell you, to not lose hope and to trust in Christ. And none of this, none of this can be done by yourself. I think this is the most awesome reason you can have a confident hope that all these things will happen. And God is not just saying to you, be hopeful, be joyful, be obedient, as if to just do it. Instead, God reveals that you can have confidence in him. Look at verse five. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So let's unpack this a bit into our last question. Uh, Why can you be confident that this hope will last? The real problem with hope, if you can call it a problem, is that it is totally dependent on what it's attached to. There is a little analogy I heard a long time ago that explains this pretty well. Suppose a kite could come to life and develop its own personality. On one hand, it feels the exhilaration of being able to be guided through the sky and feel the wind. On the other hand, it almost immediately notices something annoying. At its center is the the tugging of the string. It's a feeling of constraint and resistance. It begins to think to itself, if only I could detach, then I could really fly. To the kite, it seems like the string is limiting its full potential for freedom. But as any of you know that have ever flown a kite before, were that string to suddenly snap, it would only last maybe 30 seconds until it comes crashing down into a pile of sticks and broken, ripped up paper, never to fly again. You see, it's the the taut line between the kite and the one holding it that enables this kite to fly. That allows all the principles of aerodynamics to let this thing soar. Hope that is not attached to Jesus Christ will always end up broken and destroyed, whatever that hope may be. The stabilizing force of Jesus' death and resurrection is what secures the living hope to soar and remain alive. Verse five says, by God's power are being guarded. Referring to the inheritance that we have through Christ today, it will be fully realized in heaven. So God's power, don't miss this point Peter's making. Uh, it's, It's not by your strength It's not by your willpower. It's not yours to hold on tightly to your faith until you get to heaven, but it's by God's power and God's might that your faith will last until the day that you see him. Remember, it was, according to our passage, it's it's his mercy to send a savior. It's Uh, He caused you to be born again to a living hope. It was his death, his resurrection. He keeps your inheritance. It's his power that he gives to you to hold on to this faith. It says he's guarding this. So, what's the point? God did it all, he did all of it. Salvation is God's work, just as he saved the Israelites. From Egypt, from Babylon, he saves all people who choose to come to him from the tyranny of death and sin. And so why should this give you confidence? Why does this allow for a confident hope? Because your hope for life and salvation is not based on anything you can do for God, but on what he has already done for you. That's where your hope is based. It pleases God that we live now by faith, not by works, though we do work so that we can glorify him. But that's not where our salvation is. That is how he guards us, because faith is not our achievement. Faith is trusting in God's achievement. That's the difference. And so the people who, who first read Peter's letter might have been anxious whether they would remain faithful in this time uh, to Christ when it came time for them to, maybe for them to be hung on a cross. When it's my time and, and, they, and they, they chain me up and they lead me away, will I be faithful? Peter's encouragement is that they are a people guarded by God. They are a people whose faith are, are held in his hands they will see Jesus Christ because they are born again. And you, when your hope is in him and you believe he died for your sins and that he rose again to conquer the grave, uh, you've begun to serve and follow and love him and you have salvation. This salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time according to verse so to wrap up, you know how to tie your shoes. You know what a football is. You know what your Bible is. Do you know where hope comes from? According to 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5. Do you know what it means for your life? Do you know why it can take away your fears and anxiety of death and sin and punishment? the answers are all here in God's word. Peter clearly wants his readers to be secure in their relationship with Christ. So whether you are a a persecuted Christian from 65 AD, about to be torched on a pole to light up the city, or were a Christian of 2022, whose life may be difficult for whatever reason, If you are in Christ, you have everything you need to put your your hope, your faith in him and be satisfied and ready to see him. Nothing, no one can touch it. This inheritance is in God's hand and it will not be loosened until the day you see him. Put your hope in anything else than Christ in this world. It will eventually fade away. It will be that crashing kite put your, your faith, your hope in God, and trust in what Jesus did for you, you will find yourself with everlasting life because he promised it. It's yours. He never stops working to guard your salvation. This is why we can praise God with Peter in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We'll head to small groups. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this hope that is alive, because you are alive. You are eternal, and we know, Lord, that you have done everything necessary that we could have everlasting life. Jesus, we trust you. I pray that we would trust you, Lord, for those that have not yet come That you would deliver them out of darkness and into light, Lord, that you would give them everlasting life by opening their hearts to see you, Lord, that they would confess their sins and come to you. I pray for our small groups. Lord, help us to have conversation that honors you. Lord, may we wrestle with some questions that may be difficult, but Lord, so worth it that we would talk about what the scriptures say of who you are and what you've done, Lord, all for your glory. We love you and ask these things in your name. Amen.